0: And welcome to Stupid Sequence, the show where we make ranked lists of things that don't matter because arguing with your friends is fun. I'm your host, Josh. And I'm your host, Mr. Scott. Mr. Scott? You, I don't know. I tried something different. Scotty, let, beam, beam me up. Uh, we're at episode 28 this week. We'll start right, with a quick Scott. summary of what the show is. The goal of each episode is to create a ranked list of something, usually media related. Scott and I will pick a topic before the show and each compared, come prepared with a list. Uh, this week, we're doing we're doing a list of five instead of a list of ten, like normal. Uh, in the first segment, we'll talk about uh, the items from each of our lists, why we feel they fit the list, why they're meaningful to us, or maybe some interesting facts about them. And then in uh, our last segment, we briefly mention any honorable mentions before we go head-to-head and argue over which items belong in the official top ten. Now, uh, if you listened to last time, I would say last week's episode, our, our last episode two weeks ago, um, we uh we overestimated how quickly we could get through talking about uh, our favorite Christopher Nolan movies. so uh we're gonna continue the conversation that we were intending to have in the back half of last week's episode which is uh our top five Quentin Tarantino movies uh mm-hmm, we did not get mm-hmm. anywhere close to being able to get through those in last week's episode so instead we're gonna do that here hooray I uh I like me some Tarantino movies. In fact, I have seen exactly five of them. I think you've seen more.
1: I have seen six, so I just made a top six list because it kind of just worked out that way. But before we get into that, I do have one brief announcement. Brief announcement. Since the recording of the Christopher Nolan episode, I have seen Oppenheimer. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, I was recently injured. And can't really walk a whole lot, but I can sit. And so I figured, let's go to the movies, and I'll just sit and watch a movie. I can do that. And so I took my son, and we saw Oppenheimer. And What would you think? I really liked it a lot. I, I thought it was quite good. I don't want to go into too many details, because I have a feeling... That toward the end of the year, we're going to do the summary of new media from 2023. Kind of like what we did at the end of 2022. Yeah, well, our our lost episode. I, yes, it is a lost episode. But assuming we do that, this is going to come up again. I am very certain of that. So instead of going into too many details, I will say it probably would have broken my top five. Based on the last one. And it is a biopic, but it's also a bit of a horror style. Okay. I mean, it's Christopher Nolan's style. And there are elements of his that are also unique that show up. But, yeah, I don't want to spoil it. So let's uh, let's skip that conversation for now. But I wanted to add it in there because it was notable for the episode. I wanted to watch it before we actually recorded. But instead... I saw it after, and I got my AMC popcorn, which, as we know, is the number one salty snack.
0: Uh, We are not sponsored by AMC yet. Come on, AMC.
1: Scott, we'll talk about your popcorn as often as you want. I will make people's mouth water and provide gift cards as you see fit. How's that sound, AMC? Yeah. Listen, Adam Aaron, CEO and Chairman of the Board of AMC Entertainment Holdings Incorporated... Sponsor our podcast. You know, I'd settle for anybody who knows anybody that works at not just a local AMC, but like AMC corporate. If if you want to pass this along and let them know that we're open to, I mean, we are a media podcast. We bring in people who are listening to discuss movies. I'd love to see more new movies. I just have a big family and can't really do that that often. But in these circumstances, for Christopher Nolan, I certainly made an exception.
0: I don't really go to movie theaters anymore. Well, maybe
1: if they sponsored us, that would change. Perhaps. You could convince me, Adam Aaron. Or anyone with power there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's our shameless plug for an AMC sponsor. Man, I, I if I could get free popcorn for life, I'd get so fat. It would be it'd be real <laughs> bad. I'd I'd have to heal my legs so I can run more just so I can eat more popcorn. There you go. There you go. Well, why don't we jump into our actual list here? Scott, since you said you got six and you put six together, uh, why don't we start with your number six then? Yeah, sure. My number six is Hateful Eight, 2015. Runtime of two hours, 55 minutes. I don't have a ton to say about this movie. The It is a little bit unique. It, it It's good. It's just not amazing, which is what I would describe a lot of his movies as. The uh, the location for The Hateful Eight, for those who are not familiar, it, it's kind of perfect for Quentin Tino's storytelling style. Um, th- the entire film takes place at a cabin in the Wyoming wilderness in the midst of a blizzard, which traps its visitors there. So it's simple, it's effective, and it just accentuates the tension of the story. And the story is one guy uh, played by, is it Kurt Russell? Anyway, he's in that movie. Okay, so it is Kurt Russell. He is, uh, he has a prisoner. He's taking her somewhere. He runs into somebody else. He's going somewhere else. They're kind of heading in the same direction temporarily. They know, they both know this prisoner. And so they end up, because of a blizzard, shacking up at this place and you know, stuff ensues, a story unfolds. There's more than meets the eye to a lot of the characters. And then there's surprise or hidden elements in the film. Uh, I did not see that coming, especially the first time that I watched it. I'm not going to spoil this one. So nothing, nothing I say really is going to be what I would consider spoilery, but there's, there's certain parts of this movie that I just did not see coming. And as a result, the, the story unfolds, it ends and you're like, holy crap that is every bit quentin tarantino that i would expect as far as like you know he usually has some level of violence or massacring in the movies but um overall you know, it was fine it was enjoyable to watch i'd probably watch it again if somebody else was like oh yeah i haven't seen that i really want to watch it and I'm like, okay yeah we can watch it but it's not his best and for that reason i just it's number six on my list that's fair. I have not seen it, um, but I know Sam Jackson's in it. Yes, he is. And I am not going to elaborate. He's got a fun character. I'll say that. He's always fun. True, true. And is he in almost every Quentin Tarantino movie? No, not everyone. no. He's in... Several? Of the five on my list, he's in two of them. Okay, fair enough. Well he's in at least three Is he in that one? He's in three of mine I think Anyway that's why it's nine number six What do you got for number five?
0: We'll, we'll stay on Sam Samuel L. Jackson watch uh, I don't have anything for number six But I do have a number five um, My number five is Kill Bill Volume 2 uh-huh, Uh huh So uh, That's from 2004 since I've only seen five Tarantino films, uh, you're pretty safe in assuming we're going to see Kill Bill volume one somewhere later on this list. Uh, this one's not as good, not as good as that one overall. Still a good movie. I like this movie a, a good amount. Um, Kill Bill series is overall about vengeance. If you're not familiar, I'll dig into the idea of these films a little bit here. Uh, the first movie opens with Uma Thurman's character, The Bride, uh, rehearsing hmm. her wedding before everyone there is gunned down by the deadly Viper assassination squad. <sighs> uh, the That's Bride herself it. is shot in the head by the squad's leader, uh, Bill. Maybe you've heard of him. Uh, played by David Carradine. Uh, She does survive, and as you may expect, the story across both movies focuses on her hunting down every member of the squad in succession, with the final goal being to, quote, kill Bill, unquote. Uh, We'll talk more about that first movie later, but um, the second movie focuses on her going after Bud, played by Michael Madsen, uh, L Driver, played by Daryl Hannah, and then finally Bill himself. Uh, some really good scenes in this movie. There's, uh, you know, you got your, your uh, stereotypical legendary martial arts master. You've got uh, the five-point exploding... Uh, sorry, five-point exploding palm exploding heart technique. I might have mistyped that. I don't know if the exploding is actually in there twice, but... Cool, cool martial arts techniques. Uh, Escape from being buried alive. Uh, Multiple scenes of plucking out eyeballs. That's pretty good, if you like that. Uh, Murder by Snake. Shotguns full of rock salt. Truth serum. And a lot more fancy sword maneuvers. Uh it you know it's it's just it's a fun movie certainly it's got a lot of the grindhouse style that Tarantino traditionally trades in and you know it's paying homage to a lot of his movies but really it's just not at all operating on the same level that the first movie is for me personally anyway mm-hmm. so in in the years since watching since i first watched these two movies i've only rewatched this one one time whereas i've rewatched volume 1 a whole bunch of times cuz man that movie is very very good
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: but yeah um if if i had watched you know um you know i i have some notable omissions from the tarantino list i've never seen you know probably the biggest one that i've never seen that everyone says is very very good is reservoir dogs i was maybe thinking between our last recording and this one that i would uh get to see that and boy that sure didn't happen been, been a busy time around here but um but yeah uh if if i had seen one of these other ones that are maybe considered more of a classic there's a very good chance that this would have been my number five instead but alas i have not seen it so kill bill volume two sneaks in at number five Mm. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. so as i was looking through the list and i'm like have i seen kill bill 2 i thought i had and then i started reading the plot of it and i'm like i don't know that i ever brought myself to watch it and then I was reminded that multiple people have said, yeah, it's not really worth it. The first one is much better. I think I should watch it just because I, I like Quentin Tarantino and it's probably yeah. a fine movie. It's absolutely I, worth a watch. It's a good movie. I Exactly. So I, I'd watch one again and then I'd watch two probably immediately after, I think, and just see where it goes. But as of now, I don't believe I've seen number two. So it's not even on my list. That's fair. That's fair. But yeah, that's <clears> my <throat> number five here. Why don't we
0: jump over to your number five? Right. I was about to say four, but no, you had a six.
1: Right. So th- th- this was a tough list to put together for a top five because he's got a lot of really good movies. He does. And I, I don't know that there's a bad one in my top five per se. It It was like picking pick nitpicking a little bit to decide where each of them was gonna go and ultimately why I chose the order that I chose, right? Mm-hmm. So it was tough. I it didn't start this way, but at number five I have Kill Bill number one. Wow, okay. Which I know is not a favorable opinion that you share because I'm sure it's much higher on your list.
0: Yeah, uh that's my number Kill Bill volume
1: one is my number two. Yeah that, that makes sense. It's it's very good, don't get me wrong I I love that movie This movie whips ass But I, I like some of these other ones just a little bit more And I, Yeah, I don't know I mean, we're talking like You know, this movie's a 9-1 And the other ones are 9-2, 9-3, 9-4, etc Like, it's very, very close So, I You know what? Because I knew this was going to be a lot higher I don't have a ton of notes here Because I figured you'd want to expand upon why you love this movie so much. So, why don't you take it from here?
0: Well, I I do actually have fewer notes on this one than all the other items on my list besides Kill Bill Volume 2. Well, you've Uh, seen it enough times. That makes sense. Well, partially it's because um, I talked a lot about the best scene in this movie in our best fight scenes episode. Yeah, that's true. Um, So, go back and if you want to hear me talk quite a bit about um, the uh one of the climactic fights of this film uh go back and listen to our episode on best fight scenes uh but yeah so we i already we'll dig into a little bit more kill bill volume one here so pretty much every standout moment from this movie is better than any of the moments from volume two um yeah this movie is a 20 year old movie at this point um you know i'm I'm not gonna get into crazy spoiler you hear stuff but if you really don't want to know anything about this movie it's not i don't think it's that spoilable of a movie it's way more about the spectacle than the plot but fair warning i'm gonna dig into some stuff here so um you know we we talked about how the movie opens earlier with um with the bride getting gunned down uh later on she awakens from a cova a coma um she was pregnant when she got gunned down right and so now she wakes up and then her first realization is that she is no longer pre- pregnant and is horrified and that's a very emotional moment mm-hmm. and then uh discovers it quickly that um There is one of the hospital workers is essentially selling her body to guys that are uh, into raping women in comas. Uh, So she murders the hell out of that guy. Uh, That's pretty good uh, Mm -hmm, (laughs) to see her mm -hmm. do that. Um, She goes she goes after. And then, you know, like we talked about earlier, this movie is focusing on um, uh, killing uh, Vernita Green and Oren Ishii, who are two members of the Deadly Viper assassination squad, uh, played respectively by Vivesha A. Fox and Lucy Liu. Uh, so first she's going after Vernita Green, and there—that that is another just absolutely incredible scene because this is a character who has like settled down, retired from being an assassin, and has a kid now and stuff. Um, and so they have this knife fight in her suburban kitchen and then her kid comes home from school mid fight and they're trying to both like hide the fact that they've been knife fighting from this little girl. Yeah. Right. Uh, that, so that whole sequence is very, very good. Very extremely tense. Uh, I like that quite a bit. Um, we have Sunny Chibi in this movie who is always fantastic. He's playing a uh, Hattori Hanzo, a uh, swordsmith of legend. Mm. This version here ha- uh, forges a special sword for the bride, which she uses to extremely good effect in the rest of the movie. Uh, and then we have that end sequence that I talked about, which is honestly like ha- not half the movie, but like a third of the movie where um, it's a good portion. Yeah. Yeah. Where she's taking on the, the, just the iconic restaurant fight versus the crazy 88. And then we have the final duel with Oren Ishii in Zen garden. And that is also a very good scene. You know, so,
1: it reminds me and I didn't even think about it when we did our fight scene conversation, but Lucy Liu in that kind of era was in a whole bunch of movies and just did kind of comedic, but also serious fight scenes like Ch- Charlie's angels, for example, she was in and she did a bunch of crazy moves and fight scenes in that one too. It was, it was ridiculous and eccentric, but it was entertaining. And, you know, Lucy Liu to her credit did a wonderful job as a, uh, oren Ishii as well. So yeah, I don't. I never saw that Charlie's Angels movies, and
0: I don't actually know that I've seen a lot of Lucy Liu outside of, um, outside of Kill Bill. She's
1: in that. Um, she was in the Sherlock remake. Yeah, the TV no, show. She's no, very good in that. It's not.
0: It's as she's in Elementary, the network TV one with um, Johnny Lee Miller. She's yeah. the Watson to Johnny Lee. You're, you Sherlock is the BBC. Benedict Cumberbatch show.
1: No, no, I know that. I'm saying she okay. was in the TV... Sorry. I, I didn't mean to call it Sherlock. It was a Sherlock Holmes... Sure. El, it's elementary, right? Yeah. But, yeah I also she didn't watch that. <laughs> um, I watched probably like two seasons of that. It was it okay. was entertaining. There were some good storylines going on, and I I thought she did a wonderful job. I, I also think she's pretty awesome, so... Uh, and then I think she was in... There was something else that I saw her in that you know what it's you're gonna test my knowledge hold on i'm just gonna look it up here real quick she was in I, I, kung fu panda i was gonna say she does the voice of viper in kung fu panda um but that's not what i'm thinking of apparently she was
0: in the movie uh, the tinkerbell animated movie that my wife really likes weirdly enough
1: i uh, don't know anything about that Oh, uh, she Angel's. was in lucky number seven i watched that that movie's okay uh, maybe maybe that's what it was yeah 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 that's what it was I skipped right over it kill Bill the whole bloody affair amazing all right yep well that's all I got for you I don't know there yeah, something I'm sure uh, there was something else there but either way like it's a fantastic movie right We're, Yeah, it's really good i I really really love this movie when it comes
0: to you know it it doesn't you, Quentin Tarantino, you go to Quentin Tarantino films above all else for the unique style that he presents combination of factors that he likes to do. Um, and honestly, I would say, and this is part, this is why it's my number two. Um, this is a, I would argue the Kill Bill movies are definitely more style over substance movies, but this is kind of peak Tarantino style. I think in a lot of ways, this is like when I think of like this, his sensibilities, um, just in terms of you know visual flair and everything, this is the movie I I come to for that.
1: See, I I don't, and that's why I made it number five. I felt like I I felt like that lack of substance is kind of what edged it out of the the conversation a little bit.
0: It's a um, cool revenge tale with cool fight scenes, and that's you know
1: you know that is. going in. That's what that's what those whole movies are, and that's what you're getting. And I think it it was quentin himself that had said when he sets out to direct a movie he set he does one that he wants to watch he just writes right. stories or directs something based on like what would i like to see what do i find interesting or exciting or fun what what would make me want to go see something and so that kind of protrudes in, into his unique style like you were saying and do, do you know I'm gonna talk a little bit more about his style and some of my other entries here, but yeah, it's uh it it is very good. It is in his style, but I don't think it's the best one. So we'll we'll come back to it.
0: But well, I also don't think it's the best one. Well yeah. What's your number four? My number four is a little old movie called Django Unchained from twenty twelve. As my uh, number three. All right, all right. Uh, I like Django a lot. Um, it's a good movie. Uh, you know, I, I would say the gap between my four and five is the biggest gap here. Like, sure. I think Kill Bill is like, Kill Bill. Kill Bill's volume two is like, oh, yeah, that's a good movie. That's like a solid eight out of ten, you know, four star movie. Um, and there's a larger gap between that and Django for me. And then it, the that gap gets significantly smaller for most of the rest of my entries here. But mm-hmm. we... Uh, we see Jang. So, this is the next movie, I believe, that Jane, uh, that Tarantino makes after Inglorious Bastards. Um, and it continues his yep. streak from Inglorious Bastards in doing revisionist history movies. Uh, this one may be a little bit less over the top in that direction than Inglorious Bastards was, but um, I'll dig into the, the story here a little bit. Uh, so, Jamie Foxx is Django. He's a slave who has been separated from his wife and sold off elsewhere. Uh, En route to the new destination, the slavers are stopped by Christoph Waltz's Dr. King Schultz. Uh, Schultz is a former dentist and is now a bounty hunter. Uh, Christoph Waltz, who A, just generally incredible actor. uh, Extremely awesome and fun to watch in this movie. He has a great time in here. He's trying to track down the Brittle brothers, and it just mm-hmm. so happens that the uh, the Brittle brothers used to be the overseers at the plantation that Django worked at, or was a slave at. So Schultz asks to buy Django. The slavers refuse, and then Schultz kills all of them and frees the slaves. He offers to pay Django if he is willing to help Schultz hunt down the brothers. Uh, mm-hmm. So Django joins up. He trains him, they go hunt down and kill the Brittle brothers, and then uh, Schultz then agrees to help Django free his wife. Unfortunately, she has been bought by Leo DiCaprio's Calvin J. Candy, uh, and uh, even more unfortunately, he is an absolute motherfucker. (laughs) Uh, the, The rest of the movie is them enacting a scheme to get her free from Candy, And we got some notable appearances here: Uh, Carrie Washington as Django's wife, whose Mm -hmm. name is Broomhilda, which is amazing, and she speaks German. She does speak German. Uh, We have uh, Walton Goggins, who another actor that I just absolutely love him in everything he's in. Uh, He's playing Overseer Billy Crash. Uh, and walton goggins as is his want noted character actor playing a hick and a racist like absolutely no one else can in hollywood (laughs) uh and then we have samuel l jackson in uh i'm gonna say a truly truly upsetting role as uh an antagonistic house slave Uh, he was the head house
1: person slave
0: yeah he is
1: extremely unlikable in this movie very intentionally so right but it, even though he's to an extreme right he's meant to be playing a person or type of person that existed presumably sure. during that time frame and and the uh, almost uh what do you want to call it um stockholm syndrome that a kind of. It creates itself within the person who fills this role and w- loves their captor, right? And it's... Uh, well,
0: and it's and someone who's like, okay, I've been given power over... Even though I am oppressed, I have been given power over people who are more oppressed than me. And yeah. rather than trying to leverage that to help people, I'm just going to kind of revel in the little limited power that I do have.
1: Yep, just a real yep. piece of shit. Yeah. There, there's some incredible performances in this though. I I would argue cuz I mean it's a spaghetti western tribute this sure. movie. Um Django is actually one of the strongest protagonists out of all of his movies. Yeah, very very good very good performance from Jamie Fox here. Absolutely. Incredible. And Leo DiCaprio also oh, yeah, Just phenomenal. For me-
0: for me, Leo DiCaprio is, is the standout in this movie. Uh, he does the, the Southern Plantation owner bit especially well. Um, just, you know, I, I I think this movie is mostly a really great time. There are some uh, intentionally very upsetting scenes in this movie, especially around the treatment of black folks. Um, and a lot of that <laughs> revolves around Leo DiCaprio's character. Because he, like I said, he is just... What a piece of shit. God.
1: Yeah. And truly awful, man. I I loved his, uh, you had my curiosity, but now you have my attention. The way that he portrays this character, he didn't want to go that extreme. Jamie Foxx pushed him to that extreme and told him, look, you got to say the N word. It's, you got to really lean into this. And I feel like even now nobody ever should ever say that word right but then even in the movie because this movie is not that old 2012 right we're Mm -hmm. talking 10 11 years ago i felt like they were pushing boundaries just by forcing him to say it over and over again but it he does it so well and convincingly that you almost forget that it's leo being leo on the screen and it's a just a character right he's not i don't know how to describe this but it's it's Leo's performance that really he, he, sets us he, he apart. He
0: disappears into the role, perhaps.
1: Yes. He's a chameleon to the role. I I think he's a bit of a chameleon actor anyway, but... Yeah. Phenomenal. I... I was flabbergasted the first time I watched this movie, because I really had no idea what to expect. But man, there's a lot of fun scenes in this. Yeah. And so many ridiculous Quentin Tarantino moments. Um... For example, and I won't spoil all the details of it, but at one point Django shoots someone, and you just—it's you, like somebody hooked somebody on stage and just pulled them way off. Oh yeah, but just blasted like, back. Yeah, but he's not even at the right angle to do it. It's like he just shoots him, and the guy's just like, and flies like thirty feet in the opposite direction. <laughs> You're like, what the crap? <laughs> I thought yeah, it was hilarious. There's, there's some definitely some over the top action stuff in there. There's a lot of rise and fall to this movie with Django um, being captured, being freed, being almost killed, being captured again, being almost killed, and then being freed again. He has a rough Uh, time. He does have a bit of a rough time. Um, One of my favorite scenes of the entire thing, though, is when he convinces Quentin Tarantino's character and the Australian uh, uh, jockeys or whatever you want to call them, the, the cowboys, that you know what? There's, you know, a bounty on these people back there. You give me a gun and $100 of that total bounty and I'll point them out to you and you can kill them legally and, you know, get your money. And they're like, is is he crazy? Like, what the heck is going on? And he convinces them, uses all of his charisma, convinces them to do exactly that. They hand him a gun and he immediately kills them all. And it it (laughs) just, like, and explodes Quentin Tarantino. I'm like, this is amazing. This is peak Quentin Tarantino for me. Because it's it's a lot of dialogue, it's a lot of conversation, but it's charismatic, and then it ultimately leads to violence and explosions, or death, and but in some ridiculous ways, and it's very entertaining.
0: Yeah, this one versus, Django versus um, Kill Bill is him taking kind of his, Tarantino's core sensibilities and then leaning into a different genre, basically, right? Sure. Sure. So. Uh, One of the things I do have to mention here for this movie um, is the now absolutely infamous scene where um, Leo DiCaprio is giving a speech and is just kind of gesticulating wildly and ends up smashing a glass with his hand. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's that was not intended to happen. He did that on accident uh, that was not a work. He accidentally smashed that glass with his hand, stayed in character, and finished the entire scene out. In In the film, you can see him picking pieces of glass out of his hand as he's doing the speech. And that is, of course, the, the take they put in the movie because, man, that just elevated that scene in uh an insane amount of, yeah kind of legendary status as, as one of those you know like vigo mortensen breaking his toe on the hell kicking the helmet in sure. the two towers you know it's
1: one of those now it adds to the scream element no i i completely agree and that that whole scene immediately afterwards they're like okay we actually need a medic because this was not yeah, no. supposed to happen and he's <laughs> literally just bleeding all over the place he messed up his hand pretty good yeah uh, kudos to him for staying in character yeah. because it really does pro. make that an amazing scene. And uh, hopefully he's not worse for wear as a, a result of that. So. Well, he's had a decade
0: to recover. So.
1: Uh, Yeah, a little over. A little over. But I, I really love this movie. I would watch it again. It's I, really good. I catch clips occasionally of people just, you know, uploading random clips of this movie. And I, I just see them periodically. And I'm like, God, I really want to watch this movie again. So many fun scenes in this, and I keep thinking, I want to show my kids this movie, and I'm like, well, maybe I maybe not yet well maybe, and then it's like start arguing with myself about that, and eventually I'm just like, you know what this movie's worth it it's it's worth it I'll show them
0: yeah there's there's a there's a lot going on here they the kids gotta be ready uh, into this one
1: yeah, and yeah, okay, well, we can figure that out later. point is that was my number three your number four. It's an incredible oh, yeah. movie. Clearly, it's uh, top five worthy. Not that that says much, considering you've only seen five. Yeah, I I, I never considered not having it in my top five. I'll say that.
0: <laughs>
1: Fair enough. Uh, let's go to your number four, then. <clears throat> yeah, so my number four, the one that you should have seen by now, Reservoir Dogs. Hey. Ni- 1992, hour 39 minutes. Um, One of... One of his first movies. Not his first, I don't think. Yeah, I believe uh, he's got. Maybe there's he's another There's another one that came out before that. But this is the first one, because I haven't seen that one. But that was like a debut directorial thing. And now this is like the first one where he had the most influence and could tell something in the way that he wanted to tell it and make it different and show off the fact that he's got a unique storytelling style and, and it shows through in this movie for sure it's a very good movie my best friend's um, birthday is his first film yeah okay well not familiar with that one but uh so let me let me just say right the heist movie a heist movie is one that has been done many times right everyone's familiar with the tropes right there's a team of criminals each has their own special individual specialty or whatever uh there's double crossings there's shootouts there's a big score. Like all of those are general things that happen in all of those movies. So generally filmmakers are able to innovate within the heist genre. Um, uh, but not in the same way that Quentin Tarantino did with reservoir dogs, right? It's, it is a heist movie, but it never shows the heist because viewers see the lead up the aftermath. And even later the double cross, but, they must fill in the events of the heist itself with their imagination. And this is a brilliant concept. Like one that I don't know that anybody's ever done it this way, but it, yeah, it makes you think as somebody in the audience and kind of like it says, piece things together, figure things out for yourself. Uh, so, Reservoir Dogs is a story of a well-planned heist turned bloody. It is loosely based on Stanley Kubrick's 1956 The Killing, but that film unfolds like a, a blueprint, um, a cool, precise analysis of a robbery. In in contrast, maybe even a, kind of a perverse contrast, Tarantino skips the crime itself. So that's why it's a little bit different. Interesting. So it, it's funny to think that at one point, Tarantino had to hold back from showing a full-on action scene, despite the fact that the film's heist takes place entirely off-screen, Tarantino still manages to instill a visceral sense of tense violence into the film's atmosphere through some of the dialogue. And while the film is still over-the-top in a uniquely Tarantino way, Reservoir Dogs is, without a doubt, among his most reserved films. And it it's kind of for that reason, the lacking of the ridiculous that portion of it is kind of why I made it number four. It has the storytelling element in the dialogue and the unique way of creating this, this element and turning a, a, a unique or a trope on its head, but it is lacking in certain parts of it that a lot of these other movies in my top three have in spades. Um, so, with that being said, uh, the main action is left up to the audience's imagination. Focus is placed instead upon the day-to-day lives of the criminals who committed it. And there's always something special about a filmmaker's debut feature. Like this is kind of his debut; it's a little bit different. But especially a filmmaker who has an undeniable influence on the medium. And Reservoir Dogs is a special debut because it was way ahead of its contemporaries. So it's it's always hard to believe that a director's first feature film could so strongly influence the following decade of crime movies, but that's what Reservoir Dogs does. And after his debut, every studio was trying to cash in on the popularity of the quirky action movies with eccentric criminals who talk too much. I mean that was that was his shtick. That's he started it. So since that release the film has ascended to the level of being culturally iconic. And the, the likes of Tarantino's monologue about Like a Virgin, the standoff between Mr. White and Mr. Pink and Mr. Blonde's unforgettable torture scene, are instantly recognizable, even among casual fans. So there there is a conversation that happens there. I'm not going to spoil it, because I think for those who haven't seen it, who don't know what I'm talking about, it's absolutely worth watching yourself for the first time. So I'm going to leave it at that. There is a a very unique conversation that happens between a few of the the characters there uh, surrounding like a virgin. So we could talk about that later. Um, All that is to say, there's a lot of dialogue. There's a lot of interesting speculation. There's still some, some bloody gory scenes and some double crossing and some craziness that ensues that you probably don't see coming. Um, And it is for that reason that I, I thought this was a fantastic movie definitely would watch again probably get more out of it the second time um just because you already kind of know certain elements of it it's one of those types of movies but it doesn't have a super twist where you're like oh i need to see all the pieces not like a christopher nolan movie it's more like now that i kind of understand a little bit more maybe i'll be able to piece together the heist that i don't even really know about and you probably could but anyway I'll leave it at that. I don't feel like I've even spoiled it because there's, there's a lot to this movie. And so I would just strongly recommend that we go watch it.
0: Yeah. I, uh, I, I definitely, it's definitely on my two watch lists. Um, I, I, you know, you've, you're limited. Even with your limited explanation here, you've talked more about the movie than what I knew about it. Um, I knew heist heist stuff and I knew the cast. That was pretty much it. Uh, so, good cast, yeah, yeah, Steve and, Buscemi, and the cast, the cat. A lot I of mean, the cast members here go on to be in a lot of other Nolan films. Um, Harvey Keitel, especially, not Nolan. We talked about Nolan last time. <laughs> it's said uh, a lot last last time. Yeah, a lot
1: I, of other Tarantino movies. So I always think of yeah, Harvey Keitel, of course. But uh, Michael Madsen is in there. Sure, sure. Uh, Tim Roth, and he's yeah, in Tim a couple Roth of movies. I think uh, Steve Buscemi is a big one, and then uh chris penn who uh chris penn um is in a couple other things as well but um in this one he has a a kind of a unique role uh you know i'm yeah again not gonna spoil it i don't think think i've
0: seen chris penn in anything
1: uh he also so chris penn also played oh he died in 2006 really
0: oh Oh, geez uh
1: RIP. R- R- I did not know that. Um he I feel like he played a like a villain or a bad guy in like kids movies. Does that hmm. make sense? Uh Beito- Beethoven. He was in Beethoven. Like. Yeah. Maybe he was the bad guy in Beethoven. Um Corky Romano. He was in Yeah, what was the other one? Starsky and Hutch. True Romance. Oh, yeah, yeah. Rush Hour. Yep, okay. I've never seen any of these movies. Stealing Harvard. Oh my god, I forgot about that one. Yeah. Nope. Uh, and then isn't uh, is he in Dumb and Dumber? Okay, hold on. Because I don't I... see that, I don't see that one on the list. You know, like I'm looking at his letterboxed. Oh, okay. Well, either way, I, I thought he was maybe the uh, the guy in Dumb and Dumber when um, uh, when they're in the scene, and you're like, Hey, you want to hear the uh, wor- uh the most, most annoying, annoying sound exam. in the world? Yeah, that e- one. Like, I, I swear it was him, but maybe, maybe not. Maybe I'm thinking of someone else. Um, I have not seen that movie in like 18 years or something. I, so I do not remember. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. You're not you're not missing a whole lot there. Um, anyway, that being said, Reservoir Dogs worth a watch. Definitely on the shorter side. It's only an hour and 39 minutes. Um, so for Tarantino to be under 2 hours, I think is is crazy. Uh because I all of the uh no, Kill Bill is under 2 hours barely, but Hateful Eight is almost 3. Uh, Django was 2 hours 45 yeah he definitely got longer as he went on and then the next two on my list are about two and a half. so yeah it's um it's definitely on the shorter side of things hour and 40 is no problem these days so definitely go see it highly recommend it great film for him but I think he's only gotten better and that's why it's number 4 on my list and not higher in theaters now. That That's not true. Uh, that's not it true it might all. be in a theater. That's possible. Like a rerun. When I went to the theater to see Oppenheimer the other day, Jurassic Park was playing the it original. That, that's worth seeing in a theater. Uh, yeah, I'd see that. That's a great movie. But anyway, we should probably move on to our first break. How's that sound? Yeah, that sounds good to me. Let's do it. Okay, well then we will be back shortly. After these messages from our sponsors. AMC. Insert AMC sponsorship message here. Eat more popcorn. I work for AMC and I think the podcast is good. The,
0: The views expressed in this podcast do not represent the views of AMC. Yet...
1: Well, hey there. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. If you have show ideas or comments, you can reach us on Twitter at Stupid Sequence, or you can email us at stupidsequence at gmail.com. We love to hear from our listeners. I was going to say fans, but I can't guarantee that people are enjoying themselves. But if you reach out to us and you want to send hate mail, you know, at least keep it not so personal. Try to make it at least constructive in your criticism. Because, you know, you can tell us we're wrong You'll be wrong, of course, but you can tell us we're wrong And that's fine
0: We'll take hate listens, that's fine
1: Yeah, you want to hate listen on like Five or six devices, that would really accelerate <laughs> That would be That would be such bad Timing for us If you did that And downloaded every episode Anyway Um, Josh, I, did you want to say something?
0: Yeah, um, one other little announcement here I wanted to make as we're talking kind of, kind of the you know the regular podcast business stuff here. Uh, we've migrated to a new podcast host. We're over hmm. on Acast now. Um, we haven't disappeared from any of the other platforms we were on, so if you already listened to us on a spot you like, that's fine. But if you like listening to Acast for whatever reason, we have an Acast page. You can you can go look at that. Um,
1: and we're still go on all the other spots so if we you have a, a uh, specific show recommendation that you particularly enjoyed tell your friends we had an outsized amount of listens today apparently
0: oh really yeah thirty-two. none of those none 32 of those were downloads me. today
1: really? really yeah that's, people that's are a lot listening? of traffic people is, holy crap. apparently yeah. doing some stuff okay well i'd like to see more on the, those metrics but let's talk about that later yeah. That's incredible.
0: All right. Well, well uh, let's, let's get back, get to back in. Let's let's dig back in here. We got a little bit of list left to get through. Not much. What's your number three? My number three is uh we're we're getting into uh the area where it's a lot harder for me to rank things here. My my two kill bill and my three here are extremely closely ranked. Um you caught me on a different day, I might have ranked them differently. I still feel good about it today, even though I wrote these notes like three weeks ago, or two and a half weeks ago, or something. Sure. Uh, So uh, this one is uh, One Inglorious Bastards from Mm -hmm. 2009. Mm -hmm. Uh, AKA My Number Two. Yep. As you predicted. As I predicted uh hey this movie is really good i i really like we've hit like i like Django quite a bit um i think that's good. like we like inglorious bastards we've hit the point where it's like i love this movie uh i this it's, free, it's I think freaking it's incredible a fantastic time yep but yeah it's my, the start
1: of ranking my one and two very easy ranking the rest of my list yep much harder
0: so we're, we're at the start of Tarantino's revisionist history streak here that I mentioned earlier. And boy, this movie is very revisionist history. Uh, if you've seen the movie, you know. Uh, so it's set during World War II and focuses on an American commando unit called the Bastards, spelled B-A-S-T-E-R-D-S. Uh, their objective, as Brad Pitt's Aldo Rain puts it, is killing Nazis. Uh, the unit is specifically made up of Jewish American soldiers and their MO is to terrify enemy soldiers in Nazi occupied France by killing and scalping as many of them as they can. And Uh, boy, do they do that? Boy, do they do that in this movie? If you want to see a bunch of a bunch of Nazis get got, uh, this is the movie for
1: you. It's a lot of fun. It is real. It's a lot of unique methods that get used throughout this entire movie. So, uh,
0: the their main mission in this movie is to infiltrate the airing of a Nazi propaganda film and try to kill as many of they they can of the high ranking Nazis that will be in attendance. Our kind of main uh, antagonist here is uh, SS Standartenführer Hans Landa, played by Christoph Waltz again showing again, up again Christoph Just, Waltz. Uh, and this is, I, I think, for a lot of people, he he had done like a lot of. Um, a lot of german films before this but this is kind of the the movie that puts him on the map um in hollywood certainly and uh because he is phenomenal in this movie oh my god he's so
1: good uh he's yeah he's literally perfect quentin tarantino came out and said that when they were looking for the right person to play uh hans landa for this movie they struggled For a long time, they they just, right, he wanted somebody who could speak German and French and English. um, And what was the other requirement? There was an additional requirement, Italian. Um, And there was like one other thing that he had envisioned for it. And just they couldn't find the right person because he was looking for a unicorn. And then, as soon as Hans spoke, the first time, the first line during his audition, Quentin's like, yeah, we found our guy. This is it. We're done and it's been perfection since then. Wonderful. Yeah, he did win um
0: he did win best supporting actor for this role and for Django <laughs> Unchained.
1: That's a bingo. Both,
0: both separate ones here. He is uh only only the third German actor to uh to win a best supporting actor uh Oscar. But yeah, um so his character uh, has been appointed the head of security for this propaganda film's premiere, and uh, the theater selected happens to be owned by Shosana Shoshana, Shoshana Dreyfus played Shoshana. by Shoshana 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 I, might, yep. I might have typed it wrong played by uh, Melanie Laurent. Uh, a fr- the character is a French Jewish woman whose family was killed by Landa several years prior. Uh, over the course of the movie, it's discovered that Adolf Hitler himself will be in attendance, which raises the stakes even higher. So, uh, and then we, we see a lot of stuff play out from there. I won't get into the details, but it's it's really fun to watch all the pieces of the plan fall into place and things go wrong and all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, uh, I will say the ending of this movie is extremely satisfying. Oh my it gosh, is, yes. Uh, just very gratifying to go like, man, they sure did a thing. It's really good. They commit it. I mean, they, they, they like go said, all the way
1: with it. Quentin does what he wants to see, right? Yep. Ultimately he's like, what would I really enjoy? And this is what he wanted from the get go. And boy, does it deliver. And it's, I, I could rewatch just those ending portions like on repeat, basically. It's fantastic.
0: Yeah. I have uh I have a list of some standout performances here. Uh, sure. And then I got, got a
1: little bit to talk about as well.
0: Sure. We got Brad Pitt. Uh, as aldo rain the uh, leader of the bastards uh he's just going full-on southern accent uh the uh the my standout part of the movie from from him is uh when they're attending the movie premiere uh and he's uh undercover they're undercover as italians um yeah <laughs> and so and he's yeah. not even trying to do <laughs> an accent he's just uh he just he's so he, gets it, introduced, he gets introduced it. and he just draws out "Bongiorno." to the guy. Bon, bon very funny. It's very i speak funny. a little italian <laughs> <laughs> uh we got uh, uh, yeah eli roth as the bear jew uh yep. who donnie don uh, Donowitz, likes to yeah. uh kill nazis with a baseball bat that's pretty good you, you want to see him the
1: bear jew
0: mess up some guys That's pretty good. Um, We've got Michael Fassbender as a British commando who's teaming up with the Bastards on this mission, as well as Diane Kruger playing a German actress turned UK Mm -hmm. spy. Uh, They together participate. Yeah, together they're participating in uh, what I would say is probably the most tense scene in the movie where they're undercover in Nazi-occupied tavern.
1: That scene is just truly incredible. Um, Start to finish. The, The preparation for that scene... And then the actual scene, which is completely different than what you thought you were getting into. And then the end of it, which is even more different than that. And then the resulting, oh my gosh, just that, that scene is such a pivotal one for this movie.
0: Yeah. Uh, we got Daniel Bruhl in here as, um, Frederick Zoller, who, uh, is a sniper a Nazi sniper who is the subject of this propaganda film yeah um, and the his character is actually inspired by the real life Nazi sniper Matthias Hetzenhauer. Hetzenhauer?
1: Exactly he, sure how you pronounce that. He kind of plays like a little bit of a piece of crap in this movie, but he, yeah. he's just so convincing. And yeah. of course he's in love with Shoshana or like uh, really wants without, to. Without realizing that she's actually Jewish. Jewish, yeah. No, that's
0: yep. Yeah, he uh uh, and this is the first thing I'd ever seen him, man. I I don't know. I don't think this is his first acting role or anything, but like more recently, he's gone on to be in a lot bigger stuff. Like he's um he Captain America: Civil in, War, and yeah, Civil War, and uh, uh Falcon: Winter Soldier as mm. uh as Baron Zemo, mm-hmm, uh, and mm-hmm. he's very fun in those as well. But yeah, yeah he uh, quite good. Uh, good good performance here. And then uh, some very unexpected appearances I would say from The Office's BJ Novak and also Mike Myers is
1: in this yeah, movie. Yeah, <laughs> I really like Mike Myers in this because he basically plays one of his own characters in yeah. that scene, but with some seriousness and Austin Powers-esque jokes. I thought that was great. And then BJ Novak k- kind of doesn't fit. Yeah, I, really? I just... He's I, just there. He's He's I, in the Bastard Squad, right? Yeah, I mean, he's got a little bit of dialogue, but I, he just doesn't stand out to me as somebody who's a significant portion of this group, and at no point in the movie did I feel like he was really adding a lot, except in the point where Hans Landa's character is talking to him and refers to him as little man or little boy, and like he's like, wait, what do they call me? Like, oh, uh, little man? Oh, oh, what? And he's like, yeah, didn't you know? I find it funny? I, I actually thought you were gonna be a, a little person when I met you. <laughs> Um, That was about the only one because he was a little bit shocked, but I didn't really feel like B.J. Novak fit in this movie, and so I thought that was kind of a weird casting decision, but other than that, like, that's pretty minor because he doesn't have a whole lot of dialogue or much influence, so not a a huge deal. Almost a background character. He really is. I mean, he's part of the group, but is he really? Like, let's be real here. So, yeah. Uh, Tarantino did not misspell the title to differentiate his film. From the 1978 movie by the same name, because there is another one. He said it was instead a creative decision, which he initially refused to explain, simply saying that "bastards" was spelled as such because that's just the way you say it. "Bastards," E sure. R D S. Like, oh, okay, bastards. Yep. But yep. That being said, this movie's a lot of fun. I love revisionist history in this sense and man it's it's such a just a start to finish the whole movie is just a fun movie it's a fun tarantino movie and i hope his next one is just the same
0: yeah i i i really really love this movie i watched it a whole bunch of times i will watch it more times this isn't this is one uh This and my number one, I think, are the two that I come out of making
1: this particular list. Going like, man, I need to watch that again because I've watched Kill Bill Volume One not that long ago. Sure. Um, I I would also add that right in the beginning, when uh, Christoph Waltz's character Hans Landa is looking for Jewish people and finds a house, and he's doing a routine visit, and he sniffs out that there's actually Jews hiding. In the the uh, the building um, in that house, um, that whole entire conversation, which starts so pleasant and uh, it becomes increasingly more dark. There's a lot of tension there and almost horror to it. And I I was like thinking the tone of this movie is going to be completely different because of how serious and um, dark it becomes so quickly, but you know diverges from there a little bit when
0: Yeah it's a, it's a movie that can can really swing hard between deadly serious and uh
1: pretty goofy well that's why Christoph Waltz's performance just accentu- accentuates how much of a chameleon he is where he yeah, can be he can he can insanely personally. serious and scary like yeah. almost terrifying to watch or listen to and you're like oh my god this dude's about to just murder an entire family or he can be like, that's a bingo, and which yeah. is just so stupid and ridiculous. But yeah, it's a weird, so you know, much the, fun. The character
0: is a weird dude, certainly.
1: He really is. And of course he's a turncoat, but you know, he claims he's not, he's just a detective. Just so happens he was working for the Nazis because it just made sense. Oh, okay. Let me tell you what. If you haven't seen this movie, go watch this movie. Because, man. Incredible. It's really good. It's yeah. really good. Uh, yes. I have nothing else to add. Go see this movie. Do it. We command you. As your podcast legions. But with that being said, if we turn to our number one here, I believe we share the same number one. And, uh, my number one
0: is
1: Jackie Brown. Nope, I've not seen I Jackie Brown. I knew it. I have not seen Jackie Brown. No, number one is of course Pulp Fiction. Yeah, it's what? What else could it be? It it was my number one since we said we were going to do this. Yep, same, same uh, here. It's, it wasn't even a question. It this was my number one.
0: Much like the way that I said uh, my number one Nolan movie was Memento and it's probably a top 10 movie of all time for me. This Pulp Fiction, also probably a top 10
1: movie of all time for me. I can't argue with that. I I think Pulp Fiction easily makes my top 10 all time movies, um, both for rewatchability, quotability, sheer entertainment. I mean, it's got a little bit of everything to it and somehow pieces itself together in a way that you still don't see the full story coming. And I enjoy the the rewatch every time. I love this movie. Fantastic. Five out of five easily. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: It also, weirdly enough, uh, much like Memento, a movie that does not this is a movie that does not play out chronologically. Apparently, I'm a sucker for those.
1: Oh, I, I definitely am. Actually, I probably should maybe I can just look up movies that don't appear chronologically and see if see if I enjoy all of those and just create my own personal top 10 from there. <laughs> but that being said, what what do you uh, what kind of notes you got for Pulp fiction here? Sure. So what this movie is, if you're unfamiliar, Pulp fiction is essentially seven
0: separate vignettes uh, told out of order that tell the tale of three intertwined crime stories. Uh, the film is actually built off of unused scenes that Tarantino's co-writer on this film, Roger Avery, had written for the movie True Romance in 1993. And they kind of uh, retrofitted some of those scenes that didn't get used there into stuff, the like, kind of the bones of some of this movie. Uh, so our protagonists here uh, are, are, are of these stories are Vincent Vega, played by John Travolta. Jules Winfield, played by Sam Jackson, and Butch Coolidge, played by Bruce Willis. So, Vincent... Sorry, go ahead.
1: I'm going to interrupt for a second because I, out of curiosity, looked up non-chronological movies, a list. Number one, Memento is on here. These are not in no particular order, but the first one listed is Memento. Mm -hmm. Cloud Atlas, 500 Days of Summer, Pulp Fiction, Kill Bill Volume 1, Mulholland Drive, The Usual Suspects, Butterfly Effect. I love all of these movies. Just Phenomenal movies. You haven't seen 500 Days of Summer, have you? I have not. Rom-com, a little bit, but just great. Really, really like that movie. Mulholland Drive, awesome. Usual Suspects, awesome. Like A lot of these ones here, I'm like, man, I haven't seen some of these. I should go back and watch some of these. Reservoir Dogs is on here. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, get back to it. Just a little, little bit of a side note for you. Following sure. by Christopher Nolan is on here. Interesting, I didn't know. Yeah, I. yeah. Huh. Okay. Neither did I. Neither did I. Hmm. Hmm.
0: So uh, Vincent and Jules are pit men that are working for the crime boss Marcellus Wallace, who's played by Ving Rhames. Just Marcellus Wallace. Fun name to say. It's it's a good name. It is a great name. Uh, and then Butch uh, Butch Coolidge is a mostly washed up boxer who is on the run after double crossing Wallace. So central to the interwoven scenes here is this mysterious briefcase, uh, which contents are apparently very important, and we never learn what the what they are. Um, that is Ooh, that is not what theory, this movie is about. Which
1: theory do you prescribe to?
0: I don't prescribe to any theory theory because it does not matter. No, it really mm-hmm. doesn't. What, but what
1: matters is that it's mysterious. The the one where they say that it's Marcel's walls soul. Sure. I like that one the best. Sure. so i'm that's, i'm gonna that's go ahead and one. go with that theory okay. um so
0: i, I think uh, that's really cool the uh i don't really want to dig too much into the actual plot because if you if you have not seen this movie you need to see it for yourself it is nonstop, excellent incredibly weird scenes and you you're just not going to catch everything here uh your first time through it's, it's definitely worth multiple watches But um, what I do want to talk about Is some of the more notable folks In this movie Um, Longer cast uh, of a lot of just Fantastic actors Uh, The standout in the movie Easily Jules Winfield Played by Sam Jackson Arguably the defining Sam Jackson role Um, Check out the big brain on bread (laughs) There there have
1: been so many memes That have just generated from this one character Oh yeah what what um what year is this movie set in? This a-
0: movie eighties. Hmm.
1: I don't know. Uh, okay, fiction. well, uh, yeah, that's why I was a cu- couple of references. It says
0: uh, eight, apparently it's ni- supposed 19- to be nineteen eighty-two. I said I'm seeing nineteen ninety-three.
1: When nineteen eighty-two? Who knows? Somewhere between be the, clearly defined. the eighties and nineties, right? mm Hmm. Okay, well that that comes up later. Go ahead, sorry. Um, Jules, yeah. So Jules, definitely
0: is mo I, I I would say the most iconic Sam Jackson role. Not uh, Nick Fury. Got, I, I mean Nick Fury, he's very good at, but like this. Not is, the snakes it's, on a plane. This, this, perhaps not. Say, oh uh, uh, what's that move? Oh, I I had a joke here. Um, I'm gonna edit this out so my joke sounds better. Uh black it's black snake moan that's his most iconic role oh great i don't, great. Know, I don't yeah. know why that's the movie i was thinking of but that's why? the one i was thinking of i don't know uh, <laughs> okay uh we got tim roth and amanda Plummer in here as the burglars pumpkin and honey bunny uh as they refer to each other as uh which uma is thurman. also great yep we, we've got uma thurman as marcellus wallace's wife mia uh the dancing mm. scene here, unfortunately, inspired the Fallout Boy song, Uma Thurman. Mm. Um, Which the, is an incredible song. The worst legacy of this film. Um, we have what I think is perhaps the greatest Christopher Walken cameo of all time, of a man who has a career of, boy, there's a hell of a lot of cameos that he has done. And uh, him talking about hiding a watch in his ass is maybe the best one. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, Yes. We have noted voice actor. We have <laughs> my
1: grandfather's watch.
0: Noted <laughs> Sorry, voice actor ahead. Phil Lamar is uh, is here oh, yeah. as the ill-fated Marvin. You may know Phil Lamar in a non-live action form as maybe Hermes from Futurama. Um, he's in Samurai Jack. He's the uh, in the animated Star Wars stuff. He plays both Bale Argana and Kit Fisto. So
1: he's he's all over the place in voice what acting. The, what was the opposite of snl there was another snl like show that i'm drawing it's in the hall no uh but phil was on it and he what is the Uh, other one the other one uh, with that i didn't didn't, dueling (laughs) detectives you know what i'm talking about i definitely do not oh mad tv he was on mad tv okay mad tv
0: gotcha i never watched much mad tv also uh, mace yeah.
1: windu why didn't we think of mace windu as like his key performance for samuel L. jackson because it's not as it's
0: not his most important performance i even. mean <laughs> like <laughs> hey, <laughs> sure he's mace got a windu purple lightsaber dude he's a cool dude, he's he's a a cool dude no doubt but but jules winfield is is it here uh mm. we have harvey keitel uh, again coming up here with a truly incredible turn as the cleaner Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah this is a stellar cast here uh also okay. worth noting uh they paid this movie for eight and a half million dollars what that's crazy it's very good it's very very good what do you, what, what else do you got to say about this movie i've been going for a bit here
1: no you're good it's um it, people often ask me what is your favorite movie of all time this appears on that response, uh, I would say, nine times out of ten. It's uh, pretty, okay. unless I haven't, or unless I've watched something else more recently that is like, I love this movie, it's in recent memory, you asked me what my favorite movie is, it, it might, I might not say Pulp Fiction at that time, and of course I'm trying to name two or three, maybe up to five movies that I'm like, I love these movies. Surf Ninjas! Um, well, that gets mentioned every single time. That's sure. um, that's that's a given, right? I mean, that's number one, of course, of course, yeah. Pulp Pulp Fiction, Pulp Fiction might be better than Surf Ninjas. The jury's out. Jury's out. We'll come we'll back see. to it. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, that's uh, Pulp Fiction. One of the, I think it was the first. Yeah, definitely the first Quentin Tarantino movie I've ever seen. Um, yeah, definitely not for me. Oh, really? Okay. I yes. I remember watching this in high school, and I think it was at the recommendation of Travis, and he brought it over for like one of our gaming late-night LAN parties. And, you know, there were like 16 of us there, maybe 20 people, and after gaming for several hours, a lot of Halo, we put on pulp fiction. And I, I remember watching it for the first time and thinking, this is amazing. Why aren't more movies this amazing? And then I told my mom about it, and she was like, you watched what? I'm like, you haven't seen it, have you? It's amazing. She's like, no, I've seen it. You shouldn't have seen it. I'm like, eh, <laughs> debatable. I was probably like 15, maybe 16 at the time. I don't feel like that's too young. Yeah, I think I, I, I
0: saw the movie maybe when I was like 18-ish. But that being my, said my first one was *Inglorious glorious bastards uh oh really
1: okay mm-hmm. interesting well this movie is phenomenal start to finish i love bruce willis's character i love i love the five dollar milkshake scene and you know five dollar milkshake these days is like Nothing and this is kind of one of the context That I was trying to figure out like when was this movie set 80s 90s yeah I guess a $5 milkshake <laughs> That's probably a pretty expensive milkshake $5 will get you a small Which is Now even smaller than what it used to be Thanks to shrinkflation Probably get you like 10 ounces of Mediocre chocolate milkshake from McDonald's So Unfortunately From that perspective um, yeah.
0: Go ahead I want to get into uh, a little bit of uh, some quotes I like from this movie. Oh yeah, go for it. Uh, we got Zed's dead, baby. Zed's dead. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, does he look like a bitch? Uh, what? We have, we have what the, ain't no country I ever heard of? Say what again? Um, Say what again? The we have uh, the the you know the infamous Ezekiel twenty five seventeen speech from. From Sam Jackson, uh which notably
1: down with a vengeance, yep notably, not an actual not paraphrase. a not a real yeah, not uh, a real. it is
0: paraphrase it is paraphrased from various parts of the Bible together, a good portion of it is from that part that he's speaking of, but he's paraphrasing other stuff in there, also notable, he says it differently, multiple scenes in the movie, <laughs> like every time he says it, it's a little bit different, so and I you don't know, I don't, not, I don't think consistent. that was
1: because Samuel L. Jackson forgot the lines, no, I'm pretty sure not. that Quentin That's told him to change it, yeah, yeah that's intentional uh english motherfucker do you speak it yeah uh
0: the whole royale with cheese bit uh you know what they call a
1: quarter pound with cheese in france royale uh, with
0: cheese we have uh, after the cleaner has cleaned up the car uh we have jimmy says i can't believe this is the same car and he <laughs> says well let's not start sucking each other's dicks quite yet <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we have, uh, and then we have the infinitely memed, shit, Negro, that's all you had to say. Yeah, right. Oh, my God. Uh, in hindsight, basically everything Sam Jackson says in this movie is very quotable.
1: Um, um, I like the, uh, w- what is your name, Butch? Well, what does it mean? I'm an American, honey. Our names don't mean shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh... uh, you okay? Nah, man. I'm pretty fucking far from okay. Like I thought, that was that's had, a pretty iconic. The man's had a bad him. time at that at that moment. I think that's an understatement. Yeah. Hey, oh oh! I want really you to go good. in that bag and find my wallet. Which one is it? It's the one that says "bad motherfucker." <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh man, the
0: movie's full of intense, extremely quotable
1: stuff. Just I I like the uh, the scene with. Where there's a he thinks there's a divine intervention and you know sure. he's turning over a whole new leaf and he's gonna walk he's just gonna walk the earth now you know find his purpose or whatever like I, it's just some of the ridiculousness that happens and then of course there's the whole uh, robbery scene right after that and he's like okay what is going on here yeah.
0: it's a it's a very it's a very good movie it's very worth watching if if you're gonna watch one Tarantino movie. Make it this one if you hadn't watched haven't watched any of them. Cannot mm. recommend this movie more highly.
1: <laughs> Tell that bitch to be cool. Say be cool, bitch. Be cool, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> B- bitch, be cool. <laughs> oh yeah. There, there is. So this many. is
0: this is the other one that I was like, I need to watch this again. I actually haven't watched this movie in quite a few years now, and I I need to watch it again for
1: for sure that's 30 minutes away. I'll be there in 10. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh What was the uh what was the other one? Oh, there was something else that oh, what Oh, you know what they put on french fries in Holland instead of ketchup? What? Mayonnaise. God damn. I have seen them do it, man. Fucking drown them in that shit. <laughs> Which well, notably, a lot of food, a lot of mayonnaise, food talk. mayonnaise and French fries, like it's pretty good actually. I, I no, like thank it. you. I, I like cannot
0: it. stand mayonnaise. Oh man, you're it's missing gross.
1: out. Yeah. The uh, the Uma Thurman, brought back to life scene, very good. A little bit weird. Yeah, uh, Uma Thurman's
0: real weird in this movie.
1: Real weird. Yep, she dances real weird, but that was. How do you feel all, about drugs? All at Quentin Tarantino's direction. He told yeah. them exactly how they should dance in this movie. And it's it's ridiculous. It doesn't Tarantino, feel like... Also, an aggressively weird man. Anyway, yeah. So, I, I guess at the end of the day, I agree with you. If you've never seen any Quentin Tarantino movies, I cannot recommend Pulp Fiction enough. Start to finish. Wonderful movie. It builds... It story tells. It has ridiculousness, but it has quotable elements that I'm sure, even if you've never seen the movie, you've seen these memes. You'll be like, "Oh, is this where that's from?" Oh, okay. Great movie. Go watch it. Five out of five. Agreed. But yeah, that's uh, that is
0: our lists here. So we're gonna wrap up this segment. We're gonna take another quick break. And then we're going to come back with arguing over what items belong on our uh, top five list here. So stick around, folks.
1: Welcome back, everyone. If you made it this far, then you are enjoying yourself. I mean, let's not even joke here. There's a reason that you made it to the second break. And you're thinking, man, Scott and Josh, they should keep doing this because I really like listening to them talk about random crap, mostly media related, and then arguing about it sometimes. Well, if that's the case, you should probably reach out to us like via email or tweet, Twitter. I almost said tweeter. Oh, sorry. It's not even Twitter. It's X. You should reach out to us via X. Twixter. No. But you know what? Also, if you gave us a review or a rating or if you referred a friend, that would be really helpful. But all that being said, thank you for listening. We do appreciate it. We enjoy making this. We're glad that some people enjoy listening to it, and, and that's really cool. So we're going to move on to phase two. And we're going to combine our lists. Should be an I'm easy gonna, one, I think. I'm
0: going to utter the curse, the accursed words here. We are actually making a shorter episode this time. Yeah, no,
1: 100%. Cut to three hours from now.
0: What happened? No, God. I.
1: <laughs> you didn't uh, format the thing here. Okay, hold on. Did I not? Oh, no. no. I, I oh, missed no. oh, no. Okay, hold on. I
0: failed as a
1: as producer? A content creator? Question mark? I don't, I don't know. So there are seven movies that we've seen. Uh, and seven? we have to make a top. Let's see. Yeah, I guess there's seven because I've seen your top four. And then I you have, have not seen Reservoir five, Dogs or Hateful six, Seven.
0: Yep, yep. We got we got seven old films here.
1: Um, might as well rank them all. I mean, it's
0: yeah. Why not? Whatever. Why not? We'll have our honorary six and seven here. Um if we want to put kill bill volume okay well i mean let's let's start here i'm gonna move some stuff over to the side here um yeah go ahead. on our shared google doc i oh, that didn't I, we're that leaving didn't pulp otherwise. fiction
1: number one right i mean it's not pulp even Fiction's a question number one that's okay this that's... is
0: i went back and checked while we were having the discussion this is the very first time that you and i have both had the same number one it's on been the close a few run times of the show. it's been but, close certainly yeah. but this is the first time we've had the number one there is no argument pulp fiction is the best tarantino movie period yep completely um, agree Hey, you had Inglorious
1: Bastards ass. at 3. I had it at 2. I think it's it's his second best for sure. Um you think Kill Bill Volume 1 is better? I think it's more like a number 5. I'd be willing to put that I, at 3 and Inglorious Bastards at 2.
0: I well, well, hold on here a minute. Let's well, let's slow down a minute. Um <laughs> I'm gonna, I want to cast my gaze to the bottom of the list here first. Sure. Um I'm perfectly happy to say kill bill volume two is our number seven. Um, because it's easily the weakest of the five that I've watched. I haven't seen reservoir dogs or hateful eight, but it sure sounds like you like both those movies more than I like kill bill volume two. So I'm going to throw kill bill in the Bammer, volume Mm -hmm. two specifically. No, notably only volume two at number seven our honorary number seven. And then you're going to put hateful eight 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 at at six. six. Yeah. I mean, it was already your six, six. but, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: So, so then we
0: have the more middle area here. Um, yeah, two the through, tougher two area. Two through five. Two through five. Um, I haven't seen Reservoir Dogs, so that makes this challenging for me. I know that, that this movie is considered bit. an absolute classic, and I'm sure I would like it if I watched it, but I just haven't mm-hmm. seen it yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so my inclination is to put that at five. Yeah, um, I, I think that's yours was perfectly that, yours acceptable. was at four. Um, so it's not that big of an adjustment for you. Um, are we okay with that? Yeah, go for it.
1: All right. I'm moving Reservoir Dogs. to. And fight. I, I'm okay with that more specifically because Kill Bill was your number two. It was my number five. Mm-hmm. Kill Bill is a good movie. I just don't think it's a number two. I think in Basterds Bastards is I better. I think
0: it's a number two.
1: I still <laughs> think it's a number two. No, no. Inglorious. I love, I love Inglorious Bastards.
0: Right. I love Inglorious Bastards. Don't get me wrong, but there's a style to Kill Bill, and I, and I think that is the most important element of Tarantino. Now, now, now I I get where you're coming from, Scott. I get where you're coming from on yes, Kill Bill is more of a style over substance movie for sure compared to Inglorious Bastards. And on another director list, I would generally be more inclined to um to 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 go at this at the tack that you're taking but tarantino is such a style director more than anything else um that is what he's about right he is he he is here to have a unique style to his movies that's paying homage to all the stuff that he loved uh when he was younger Mm -hmm. and I just think Kill Bill is a better representation of that overall. Again, the, my, my margin of enjoyment between these two movies is very slim. Um, the, di- the, the level of difference here. I mean, I absolutely love both these movies, but I think Kill Bill is a better overall representation of what Tarantino is about as a
1: director than
0: Inglorious Bastards is.
1: If he had made Inglorious Bastards first, would you be saying that same thing? No, I because don't think so. Exactly. I mean, I mean you, no. I mean, I, 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 My stance would not change. Oh, I think it would. I think you're saying that because you're thinking Kill Bill came out first, and therefore it's more iconic of his style. Whereas Inglorious Bastards, because it's revisionist, if he had come out with that first, Kill Bill would not be in his style as uh, more poignantly because it's not revisionist.
0: I'm not even talking
1: about the revisionism stuff at all. Um, so which style? Por- which portions of Inglorious Bastards are not to his style. I'm not saying that it's not to his style. I'm saying it is a less stylized movie overall.
0: Hmm. Django. Django is a much more stylized movie than Inglorious Bastards is. I do think Inglorious Bastards is definitely a better like, like I like Django. I, I don't saying. I don't like it as much as you, but I do like it quite a bit. But like Inglorious Bastards is way better than Django.
1: I think and, we can agree on that, right? But Django's more so. Stylized. Sounds like sounds like
0: Django's Django's four. Okay, yeah. I think pretty definitively sure. here. But so, I, this so what we're talking about here, Django's four.
1: Yes, uh, but I think you're kind of contradicting yourself here. You said Django is more stylized to Quentin Tarantino, correct? Sure. It it, it is a more and, stylized film, and Kill Bill is more stylized. Agreed. But. And it's for that reason that you wanna put Kill Bill ahead of Inglorious Bastards, even though you think Inglorious Bastards is a better film, but then you don't wanna put no. Django higher even though Inglorious Bastards is a better film. No, I don't actually think Inglorious Bastards is a better film overall than Kill
0: Bill. It is a is a film really? with more It is a film with more substance to it, certainly. But that doesn't necessarily inherently mean better. Um I think that the the stylistic choices that make up a lot of why Kill Bill is as cool a movie as it is, overall make it a stronger film than Inglorious Bastards is. N- narratively, I think Inglorious Bastards certainly has a lot more going on. There's a lot of really great tense scenes, but I don't think it just lives up to if we want to talk about like the movie as a complete package of here's everything on it has to offer, it's high points, it's low points, everything like that. Kill Bill just hits a higher high for me than Inglorious Bastards does.
1: Gotcha. Um, Maybe and, it's because I didn't see Kill Bill till much later, and I, I mean much later after after Inglorious Bastards for sure. I don't know that it was after Django.
0: But and and to be clear, Kill Bill not my first Tarantino movie. Inglorious Bastards was my first one, so we're not. I'm not even arguing this as like, well, it was my first one, so it's my favorite one, kind of a thing. Um, hmm. You know, I didn't see... I think Kill Bill was my second one. Um, Probably Pulp Fiction after both Kill Bill movies. If I remember right.
1: right. I'll concede Kill Bill as two if you can tell me that Uma Thurman by Fall Out Boy is actually an okay song. I hate it. I can't do it. I hate (laughs) that song too much. It's so bad. No, it's not. You have to understand. The music video for it's really dumb, though. You have to understand that yep. I worked retail when that
0: song was on the radio. So yeah. I unwillingly heard that song.
1: Yeah. You've got a visceral reaction to it. Every fucking day. Of that. Yeah.
0: Every day. It also just sucks shit, but like, uh, and, and so I, I'm, I'm aware of that effect i I had to stop listening to red hot chili peppers for a while because the chili peppers were in heavy rotation on that radio station for whatever reason and I would hear like six chili pepper songs a day sure and um and I don't dislike the chili peppers I think they've got some good songs I just don't want to hear them every single day and mostly the same five or six songs every single day scar tissues right, pretty good
1: we're getting off topic let's focus here for a second because we're we're nearing the the culmination of our, our list. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, mm, kind of pains me to do this. Cause I just, I don't resonate with kill bill in the same way that you do. And
0: uh, a, a quick spoiler <sighs> break here. Yep. Blah blah beat here for people who want to maybe skip 15 seconds ahead or so.
1: Uh, she it. cuts
0: the top of her skull off with the sword.
1: That's yeah. fucking sick. They literally scalp hundreds of Nazis.
0: Yeah, but it's not like with a sword. They don't do it in a Zen garden in the midst of a duel. No, they carve With a sword them. forged by legendary swordsmith Hattori Hanzo. Come okay, on. But
1: more spoilers. They literally carve Nazi symbols into the foreheads of nazis that survive so that people that will is know when good. they take off the uniform that, that is amazing. very good.
0: no doubt no doubt it is always immoral to carve a swastika into a nazis
1: forehead <laughs> um, but that you're pe- planning on taking off that uniform right yes most certainly well we can't be having that like
0: for me just the, the, my, kind of my my core argument here is I think both these movies are incredible movies. I love them both dearly. I'd, I'd go watch either of them again right now and be totally fine with it. I just think that Kill Bill's a little bit better of a movie and it is more emblematic of who Tarantino is as a director than Inglorious Bastards is.
1: I'm, I'm racking my brain to determine if there are any other directors that have revisionist history as kind of like a niche that they've done, but to the extreme that, that Quentin Tarantino has done it like in bastards.
0: Yeah. And, I don't think I've certain, I don't, i certainly don't think I've seen a movie that, okay. Again, uh spoiler beat here. If you want to skip 30 seconds ahead, do not hear the end of inglorious bastards. Uh, they shoot Adolf Hitler with about 800 bullets at the end of that movie. Yeah. Just unload. It just, it like, goes
1: on for a really long time. It yeah. Excessively long to the point of ridiculousness where it's it feel, very good. It feels like a Quentin Tarantino scene. Like That's nobody true. else That's could do true. that scene. Absolutely true. I'm with
0: you there. That is the most like grind housey Tarantino y thing in that movie
1: for Sure. You don't think the I, violence in there. the pub scene is anything like his other stuff? I, 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 I the eccentricities I, I, I think, of using three fingers in a certain way to demonstrate the number three. No? I I, I don't I, I don't think that particular thing is super Tarantino-y, that
0: particular plot beat, but like um but the that scene in particular, while incredible, well, again we talked earlier. Love that scene. It's very, very good. It's less Tarantino y, I would argue. Then some of the stuff, uh, some of the stuff in kill bill is perhaps. Hmm. Hmm. If I've on, un- if I haven't swayed you,
1: I get it. If you, you could just say I'm not swayed by this argument. I'm really not. And the, the main, the main thing that's stopping me is you're saying that kill bill is more Quentin Tarantino than glorious bastards is Quentin Tarantino. But I cannot think of anyone who has made anything anywhere near as close to *Inglorious Bastards that isn't Quentin Tarantino. He's the only one that's ever been able to pull off something like that to the ridiculous extreme that it is with what appears to be both horror, adventure, and comedic elements using a cast of phenomenal actors, BJ Novak aside... And and just pull off something that I think nobody expected. Man, when B.J. Novak listens to this episode, you're gonna make him feel real bad. Yeah, you know what? I, I loved him in The Office. He wrote a lot, bunch of the episodes of The Office as well. Um, anything with Robert California in it and him is, I think, phenomenal. Oh, yeah, I really like that. Incredible. But that that being said, I just I think Inglorious Bastards is better. I think it's more of a Quentin Tarantino movie.
0: I get it. Um I've made my gambit and I'm I'll say that it has failed and um I tried. But I uh if 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 I have not swayed you at all, the relative positions of these movies on our lists as uh I think uh is going to carry you
1: through. You know, I I think I, okay. Th- that's fine. I think we're yeah, we're at an impasse here because I'm 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 just not seeing it. I think Inglorious Bastards is every bit Quentin Tarantino. And I don't think anyone else could make that movie and make it anywhere near in the same way. That's fair. It's it's just it is him. They're synonymous in my mind.
0: Yeah, you know, and we're arguing we're arguing over movies that again, I just think are both incredible and are extremely close in quality. Yeah.
1: And and um, I think I, like you said, I'd be happy to watch either one. Sure. It's neither, neither one is going to get me to say, oh, really that one? No, that's, that's not going to happen. But if I had to choose, you hold them both up and say, pick one. I'm going to pick *Inglorious Bastards every time.
0: That's fair. That's fair. I've certainly watched Kill Bill a lot more times, but I, right now, I want to watch *Inglorious Bastards more. Because I, partially that is because I've seen it fewer times and longer ago. You should you should go watch it. After I'm not going to do, do that Reservoir right now. Dogs. I'm watch not going to do that dogs. right now because it is after 11 p.m.
1: No, but we recorded a shorter episode, so you can go watch that Reservoir Dogs. We did. That's why we did that. We did. Okay. You know what? If you've got even less time than that, Surf Ninjas is under 90 minutes, nope. and uh, no, nope. it's on YouTube, and Ooh. I'll send you I'll send you the link again. All
0: right, well, Scott, um, we've 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 run our list down here, um, where we've we've made our list, we've we've finalized it, I think. Uh, Yes. Kill Bill, snuck in a volume two. Kill Bill, volume two, snuck in number two. Wow, who could have predicted that? No, no. Mm. Um, uh, All right. um, Run it back. Seven to one. Seven to one. Here we go. Honorary six and seven, not making the top five. Number seven, Kill Bill, volume two, from two thousand four number six *Hate eight from 2015 uh the the proper list here number five reservoir dogs from 1992 number four jango unchained from 2012 number three kill bill volume one from 2003 number two inglorious bastards from 2009 and number one pulp fiction 1994 the most number one
1: that we've ever had mm-hmm. easily the the middle sections it was like splitting hairs i mean it's it's incredibly close, but it's yeah. Paul, pa- the,
0: the, 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 I, there I, are no
1: losers here, right? No. I mean, yeah, except maybe uh, Kill Bill Volume Two. I think that is notably worse than everything else in this list that I've seen, anyway. Well, I haven't seen it, but I enjoyed Hateful Eight. It's just I think there's other better ones. Anyway. Uh, Kill
0: Bill Volume Two doesn't have Sam Jackson in it, so that's a that's a penalty.
1: Hmm.
0: Uh, are you sure about
1: that? I don't you, think he's in that movie. You sure about that? You sure about that? I'm going to look it up real quick. Fact check. Uh, no, I don't, I don't think he's in that movie. Uh, he is, in fact, in this movie. I'm sorry. Oh, my God, is he? <laughs> he is in this movie. Does he have, like, a... Ge- oh, my God, he does. He plays Rufus. Rufus. Is Samuel Jackson in every one of his movies? I don't think he's in every one of the movies. I,
0: I, I haven't seen them all, so I, I can't properly say Apparently I can't even properly say for
1: ones I've already seen. So okay, hold on. I'm I'm looking it up. Along with parts in Pulp Fiction, Django Unchained and The Hateful Eight Jackson has also starred in Jackie Brown, Kill Bill, and Inglorious Bastards. He was the narrator in Inglorious Bastards. Oh. He also appeared in the Tarantino written but not directed film True Romance. Did you know he wrote that movie? Uh we did talk about it earlier in right. this episode. Yep, Samuel L. Jackson. Definitely there. He was ruthless. Uh, Not in Kill Bill Volume 1, though. No. No, he probably complained after they did Kill Bill Volume 1 and was like, Quentin, what the hell? (laughs) Is he in any of the new ones? What's Quentin's Uh, new movie uh, that's coming out next next year?
0: Two movies ago was Hateful Eight. The most recent one is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which neither of us have seen, but I've heard good things about. Um, the and movie then critic the movie is, critic the, is the new one uh, and his uh, supposedly his last film i don't know anything about it
1: i am also completely uh out of touch with that i'm looking to see if there's any cast announcements yet i don't see anything on imdb i'm gonna go with nothing official and yeah that movie is not soon it's a mystery uh, it says not 2024 soon. it's next year Yeah, it could be late 2025. I
0: don't think they've started filming this.
1: Mm, No actors have been formally attached, but his favorites are Leo DiCaprio, Samuel L. Jackson, Brad Pitt, Christoph Waltz, and Uma Thurman. It's actually going to star everyone who's ever been in any one of his movies, including Dead People. You know, that's... Well, that would be... That would be something. But anyway, all that being said... Before we go... Yeah, oh, oh... Yes. What's better, Pulp Fiction or Surf Ninjas? It's it's Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Okay. Now, what's better, Surf Ninjas or Inglorious Bastards? Well, no, No. Inglorious Bastards definitely better. Kill Bill Volume One, though, I might Mm. have to cut it off from there. Surf Ninjas. Okay. (laughs) All right. Take us out of here. Too soon. Too soon. Take us out of here. I. You know what? I. I will take us out of here. Um. By saying thank you to the listener for taking the time to listen to us argue, and we hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Our next episode will be posted in the usual two-week time frame. And uh, Josh, do you wanna you wanna tell the people what our next episode will be? And yeah, maybe, I did. Maybe I did you mention remember? This yeah.
0: In uh, our our previous episode, because yep. it was planned to be this episode, but then we talked for a long time about Chris for Nolan. So uh, our next one is going to be the uh, most culturally significant inventions created Mm -hmm. between 1900 and 1950. So we're going to get into some cool stuff that was invented.
1: Some physical and conceptual inventions, I would say. Yeah, there's some really neat stuff. And, And I'm going to say this, and maybe I said it last time. I don't think we're limiting ourselves to one invention per inventor, right? It's, yeah, I don't know. We're going to have to look at the list and see if that is relevant, because I genuinely don't know. I have um, two by one person that I'm already considering to be pretty phenomenally important. I will say I have done zero prep work for this episode yet, so I do not know. Okay, we can come back to it then. I right, We'll see if it makes my top 10, top 5, whatever. But we'll go from there. Sounds good. But anyway, I think we're all set. I think we've done what we needed to do. We did, in fact, create a shorter episode. Much we shorter, did. even. Possibly under two hours. Definitely under two hours. Yeah, I
0: think we're, we're, we're landing under two hours here for sure, which is a rarity for us.
1: Well. We're verbose. It, it can be done. But it did not happen this time. So until next time, I've been Scott. And I've been Josh. And remember, with a little practice, you can argue your way into a friendship. Take care, folks.
0: First, uh, first computer build. That's fun, and again yeah, can be frustrating. Mine certainly was.
1: Uh, mine went surprisingly smoothly. Um, of course, I bought. I didn't have to seep my um, CPU. It was already. It was already done, so mine didn't have was, to worry about uh, gluing or. It was nice.
0: My thing was a uh, motherfucking RAM compatibility cuz i built it long enough ago when you still had to
1: think about ram compatibility. Oh, you're talking about like the the slots, like the amount of No, no, no. Teeth no. or
0: no, so it was the right form factor of ram, but um let's say 15 years ish ago and earlier uh, probably Uh, probably even up to like 13 years ago and earlier did you buy like ddr1 or three no 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 no, no, no. that's what i'm talking about physically it's the right ram but okay okay what used to happen was not every motherboard supported all types and speeds of ram Ah, yeah okay and sometimes you could get ram that was close and you could get it to work with bullshit with BIOS settings and stuff, and so I spent about three hours making fucking around with the BIOS settings on my computer mm. that I built to make the RAM fucking work.
1: Now we have PC Part Picker, and that just tells you exactly if it's compatible and if there's any concerns. Well, and even and... then,
0: like everything's compatible with everything nowadays. So yeah, pretty much. I mean, you just obviously, don't, Intel doesn't have AMD. to worry about all that shit. I my first computer I built had a sound card in it
1: to tell you how long ago that was oh so did mine actually yeah um with a green and a pink for uh speaker and microphone yeah you don't uh you don't really see Uh... that anymore